and welcome to season two of Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda. So good to be back. I cannot believe that it has already been six weeks. It has flown by so fast. It's true. Our break has gone so fast, but the last six weeks have been incredibly eventful, as I'm sure our Victorian (laughs) listeners will know what I'm referring to. Yes, all the quarantine feels. Um, (laughs) Silver lining being that it's given everyone a great opportunity to deep dive into some TV shows, which we definitely have. Yes, so we're going to be having a lot of awesome episodes coming to you in season two. So pop on your face mask and take a daily hour of exercise with us in your ear for an hour within 5k of your house and give season two a listen. And we've also got a really exciting new mini segment for you right before our recommendations at the end of our show. So stay tuned and see what that's all about. Very exciting stuff. But before we get to that, we, of course, have our main segments. So for Treasury today, we're going to be talking about the social media movement Free Britney. You might have seen this hashtag has been trending and we're going to be talking about What's it all about and why people are trying to get the conservatorship Britney Spears is under lifted? It's true. It's just everywhere at the moment. So can't wait to dive into that. And then, of course, uh, during the six-week break, uh, one of the most prominent shows of our time, Bachelor in Paradise, uh, was back <laughs> <laughs> in full force. So um If you're worried about spoilers, um, we'll let you know when we start talking about all the different characters, but also Grace has not seen any episodes, so I'll be telling her everything as well. So you'll be exactly the same position as her. But also, who's worried about spoilers for Bachelor in Paradise? I feel like if you (laughs) intended to watch Bachelor in Paradise, you would have watched it by now. If anyone is saving up to watch Bachelor in Paradise, look, we do apologise in advance. (laughs) I think that most people who um, haven't seen it um, probably know exactly what's happened just from watching the extended trailers that they constantly put on Channel 10. So, And if you don't, you'll know by the end of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but first things first, Treasury time. So you've probably seen the hashtag trending, Free Britney. It's a social media movement to lift the conservatorship Britney Spears has been under since 2008, following her very public breakdown, which we talked about in season one. So basically, a conservatorship is a court-approved order that gives another person a legal right to control someone else's assets and make financial decisions for them. So according to the Court of California, where Britney Spears is based, here is the list of what executors can do. So they can arrange for the conservatee's care and protection, decide where the conservatee will live, make Mm. arrangements for the conservatee's meals, healthcare, clothing, personal care, housekeeping, transportation, shelter, recreation and well-being, manage the conservatee's finances, locate and take control of all assets, collect the conservatee's income, pay the conservatee's bill, responsibly invest the conservatee's money, and they have to account to the court and to the conservatee for the management of those assets. And typically these sorts of arrangements are in place to protect the elderly or very mentally impaired, and it's sometimes used if a person is in a coma. So basically just when the court has decided a person can't make decisions for themselves. But what's really interesting Mm. about Britney Spears' situation 
is that usually these things are temporary. And at the time when she had that very, very public mental health episode, it was put in place temporarily but her, and it put her father as the head of the estate, as the conservator. And they kept going to court to get it extended a few months at a time. And by the end of the year, they got granted to make it permanent, which means that it will be in place either until it's successfully contested and overturned or until her father dies. Wow. But, like, how do they get it overturned? Because that's something that... um I'm still not quite sure on. It's like at first they had to go back and it was a temporary extension of the conservatorship um, every few months. And then at the end of the year, it was just made permanent until such time That's as right. they make an application to change it. Well, it was basically just made permanent and that's just the ruling now. Mm. The only way it could change is if, you know, sh- she went to court to fight it or currently the Free Britney campaign are trying to petition the White House to overturn it. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. So let's talk about the Free Britney movement. Um, Who's leading the charge, Grace, on this one? Well, it's been around for ages. Mm -hmm. So you would remember that video of the guy under his doona with the makeup crying and he's like, leave Leave Britney Britney alone. alone. (laughs) So like... It's been happening for ages, but it's really picked up um, traction sort of recently. Interestingly, actually, through a podcast that started in 2017 called Britney's Gram. And it was just a podcast, like, lighthearted, where um, these two girls would just discuss Britney's Instagram posts because they can be, like, quite hilarious. So they would just talk about her Instagram posts? Yeah. just It wasn't, like, meant to be anything... Right. Her posts are just funny, like she does a lot of dancing, a lot of painting. She did a post like in the last year where she's like, so I have to work outside because I burned down my gym. Uh, I had two scented candles going during my workout and I burnt my gym down. <laughs> like, her Instagram does go off. Oh so my God. they would just talk about stuff like that, but then they started to sort of notice patterns and then sometimes her account would go dark. And there was sort of, you know, people thought she was in facilities against her will. And, you know, now this sort of traction has started. I don't know. Some of the Free Britney social media stuff. When I first, like, heard about the yellow shirt, have you heard about the yellow shirt? I have heard about the yellow shirt. (laughs) So for those who don't know, it's um, basically the conspiracy theorists of, um, you know, people who are taking the Free Britney movement very seriously um, will be like Britney here's our message to you. If you need help, please wear a yellow shirt in tomorrow's TikTok. And so, of course, she's always wearing yellow and she was in a yellow shirt and they're like, see, she needs us. (laughs) And look, when I first heard that, that was my first reaction as well. I'm like, she's a celebrity. There's like 10,000 comments on every video as if she read that. Yeah. But then the comment... The, like the caption she wrote on it was pretty creepy. So what she's she like, like, post this video. She's like twirling around in a yellow crop top. And she's like, oh, my God, I got these flowers from my florist. I was so excited that I had to throw on my favorite yellow shirt and just share this photo. And it's like, it is weird, like, to reference the exact wording. They're like, wear a yellow shirt. She's like, I had to wear my yellow shirt. Ooh. 
I, I think the caption's weird, but I do think like it is very fair that she hadn't seen the comment before then. It could be a coincidence. But I was looking at her Instagram again and some of the posts from like the last week or so. Mm. Now there's no mistaking the yellow thing. Like there's no way she couldn't know about it because as soon as she posted that photo with the yellow shirt, all the comments were like, oh my God, she said the code word, like yellow shirt, yellow shirt. And so you'd think, okay, clearly if she posts about yellow again, she knows. And she's posted two photos now about yellow being her favorite color and that she loves the color yellow so like it is it is weird I think that even if she was though even if she was referencing the um you know say you know wear a yellow shirt if you need our help um even if she did see that comment and wear a yellow shirt and she's referencing all this yellow stuff like the the reason that people are saying that she's within the conservatorship is that she's unwell um and you know for lots of different reasons um you know the the court has deemed her incapable of making her own decisions so it's not completely out of this world that a person who who has um a serious mental illness of this kind might sort of lean towards conspiracy theories or feel that she does need to be freed of this cage but actually people are there to help her like it's not an uncommon reaction that people have when people are trying to take care of them who are very unwell. I think the issue is that she's not very unwell. She was very Isn't unwell she? in 2008. In 2008, she had a very specific, very public mental health crisis. Yes. Where she, like based on the fact she'd just lost custody of her children and just gone through a divorce and the paparazzi was stalking her. I think she actually had quite a proportionate reaction to the circumstances she was in. And I feel like also society has been like reckoning with what happened to Britney in the last couple of years a lot and being like, wow, like we really reported on that so badly and I I do I do agree that she was treated like crap and um you know she had that very public breakdown but there's a few theories that she was suffering from postpartum depression um and you know had a serious breakdown at that time but it doesn't mean that she needs to be in a permanent conservatorship exactly I think that is the key point that is the key point and the court made that ruling in 2008 and it hasn't been you know looked at since and in the meantime, she has gone on to do so many successful things. Like in 2009, she had already rebounded to have a really successful career. She had a number one album with the album Circus mm-hmm. and the song Womanizer was a number one hit. She's raking in all this money that she's not in control of. Right. I mean, look, it's hard to know and I've heard a lot of conflicting commentary. So there are some people who say, look, you know, you're cancelling the wrong person here. Um, you know, you're trying to make um, her father, is it Jamie Spears, look yeah. like, um, you know, an evil controlling dictator is not necessarily the best thing to be doing and that people still believe that they do have the best interests of Britney, even though they are, yes, part of the Britney machine and they are profiting, which I do think is pretty, pretty odd. Um that, like there is some speculation that she could still be not well. So I don't think you ever know exactly well, what's going on. who in. is 100% mentally well right now during a global pandemic? And does that make it justifiable, the conditions of her life? And I think it's interesting mm. 
the terminology conspiracy because that's the same way her dad is referring to it. So just the other day he sort of spoke out about it. Yeah. He called the campaign a joke. He's like, all these conspiracy theorists don't know anything. The world doesn't have a clue. It's up to the state of California to decide what's best for my daughter. It's no one else's business. I have to report every nickel and dime spent to the court every year. So how the hell would I steal something? And I think, like, hearing that quote, he doesn't get it. Like, people aren't worried he's doing something illegal and secretly embezzling. People are worried about what is actually the legal arrangement of the conservatorship. Like, the list of things I read out at the start, the fact that someone with a huge multi-million dollar net worth can't have any control over how her own money is going to be spent for the rest of her life. Exactly. And... um Yes, maybe she needed intervention at a certain time, but these things should be reviewed and there should always be impartial bodies that are actually in charge of it, as in who sign off on things. Like you shouldn't have somebody signing off on everything that's your father who's directly benefiting from the profits of the Britney machine, you know, and Britney Inc. You know, like she is a brand and you're forcing your sort of subject who apparently is unwell but yet she can still perform she can exactly. still make music she's well enough to do a las vegas residency and all these stadium tours she can do a lot of albums. stuff yeah and look i know what the counter argument to this is and i'm not saying that i think that it's right that she's necessarily in a conservatorship but i'm sort of being devil's advocate here because a lot of people are saying well hang on a sec You know, this has been in place for a long time. There's probably a lot of good reasons that it is. And so that she doesn't just go and waste millions and millions of dollars um, on on crap. You know, when people are on sort of a having an episode, a manic episode or something like that might, yeah, can go and spend millions of dollars just and blow it or give it away or be hyper generous. And it is a problem and you want to sort of protect them from that. But at the same time. There may have been some validity to that in 2008. But not 12 years later. It needs to be reviewed often, you know, and it needs to have somebody in charge of the conservatorship who's not directly benefiting from the money. Like it's just so – it kind of just seems so unethical. And um, Mm. this is not usual. It's it's quite unusual. And also she's been trying to get out of it since 2009. So in 2009 um, Rolling Stone had a tape of her where she's saying, like, I just want my life back. I want to be able to drive my car. I want to be able to live in my house by myself. I want to be able to have a say in who's going to be my security guard. Yeah. And sort of all this stuff about how she doesn't feel free. And in 2009, she hitched a ride with a paparazzi to go try to get a lawyer. Whoa. Like, how crazy is that, that her family aren't giving her access to things like that, that she has to get a ride with the paparazzi to go get access to things she should be entitled to? It is pretty crazy. I suppose petitioning the White House and doing all these things from the people who are leading the Free Britney movement, like, they don't have all the information, Um So I don't know. I think it's right to talk about it. I think it's right to bring it up and question it and critique it. Um, And, you know, yeah, sure, she should have a lawyer. Sure, she should should have somebody who's assisting her. But I don't know. Like, we don't know everything, you know, and there could be a very valid reason that it's still in place. So I don't know. It's a very tough one, but I do Mm. do feel bad for her. I don't know about the yellow shirt thing, but, you know, I do feel very bad for her. I feel sorry for her that she doesn't feel free. 
Yeah, I don't know about the yellow shirt thing either, but my definite key takeaway is that it's just like very patriarchal, like literally patriarchal. Her dad has control of everything and it's like, we should be able to support vulnerable people in society in other ways to help them make like informed decisions about things that don't just involve taking away all of their decision-making power and their wealth but still making them create wealth for you. Exactly. And, um, you know, there's so many examples of celebrities who do crazy stuff all the time and they're not in a conservatorship. Like, why isn't Kanye in a conservatorship? You know, he's done some pretty Mm. crazy shit. He's doing some pretty crazy shit at the moment and he's clearly... Well, he's tweeting that he thinks Kris Jenner and Kim Kardashian basically want to put him in one and that it's uh, white supremacy, so... I know, and he's, you know, he's clearly very unwell. Um, But why is it that um, people have put this conservatorship in place for, like, a a young female who's not behaving properly? Um, And the same thing happened to Amanda Bynes, but it's not happening to people like... Charlie Sheen or... What about Charlie Sheen? Yeah. What about all these other people yeah. who've had breakdowns? Like, what about them? Because we feel more entitled to control women. Yeah, exactly. So, look, it is really sad. Poor Brittany. Um, I hope that, um, like, at the very least, that it's investigated. I mean, it's really interesting. There's actually been huge late-breaking news while we've actually been talking about this. And yeah. so... Yeah, so Brittany has now actually, um, she filed in court that she strongly wants her father removed from her conservatorship and that she is strongly opposed to him continuing anywhere on her conservatorship. So Mm. as mentioned, even though he's temporarily stepped down, uh, that's just a temporary arrangement and he is still her permanent conservator. So Brittany wants that temporary woman, Jodie Montgomery, to be permanently conser- on her conservatorship. I think it's really interesting because she's not actually saying she wants it lifted, um, but yeah. she's saying she wants her dad nowhere near it. Yeah, um, and her dad has requested that it be uh, Andrew Wallet, who used to be involved in the conservatorship to a degree. Um, and it's quite hilarious because his name's Andrew Wallet, and he manages the money. And there's also... Yeah, there's a key <laughs> and also another hilarious detail that a person who um, used to take all of the pictures and um, all that sort of thing was, I think, called Andrew Gallery. So I don't know where these stage names are coming from, but they're, they're somewhere. Mm, wow. <laughs> But, yeah, so that's just gone in front of the court and the California court has ruled not to make any changes and just to keep the current arrangements in place um, for another six months. So the arrangement will be extended till February 2021 with that temporary conservator and is still permanent with Jamie thereafter. Yeah, so breaking news, and I'm sure the saga is not yet over, so keep an eye on that one. I'm sure we'll hear some updates again. But in the meantime, for something much less serious, uh, you're going to be telling us about a horrendous TV show called Bachelor in Paradise. So let's go over to Trash. (laughs) All right. So for today's Trash segment, as promised, we will be discussing Bachelor in Paradise Australian version. Now, we've discussed The Bachelor in Paradise previously, I think, on Season 1, Episode 5, where we dove into 
reality TV ethics and all those sorts of things. But this one's a little bit different. It's going to all be about the trash, (laughs) all be about the relationships, what happens on this island. Now, for the uninitiated, the rules. All people are on an island and they're all bachelor rejects. So the prerequisite to get get on this show is that you have to have been on a bachelor or bachelorette season and have been rejected by said bachelor or bachelorette. (laughs) And every few... That's a good premise because people, like, already are famous. Like, as a viewer, not that I watch it, I can see why that would be a good premise. Because you'd be like, oh, my God, I hated those characters. I loved those characters. You don't... You're already invested. You don't have to start from scratch. How I like to describe it is kind of like real life fan fiction so you know when like all those reject characters are like you know um you just wish that they would get together and then like sometimes they do (laughs) it's like the most amazing thing um but all the like everyone who you want to get together doesn't and then all these randoms just get together and usually they're people who you don't remember from the seasons (laughs) so Sometimes they are, but really. Anyway, so then every few days there's a rose ceremony where one week the women have the power to hand out roses and then it flips to the guys. And so every week... It's very heteronormative. Yes, it is. Have you ever been a bachelor person? There's not, but I think I watched... um, I can't remember actually whether it was on the Australian Bachelor or the uh, American one, uh, Bachelor in Paradise, sorry, where um, two women were um, really connecting and so they gave each other the roses and that meant yeah. that like four men went home as opposed to... That's um, awesome. But like, yeah, because there's no reason for it not to be like that. On the actual Bachelor and Bachelorette, like sure, whatever, that's how the contestants are. But this is just like 10 people on an island. It has expanded, but yes, it's a basic show and um, yes, there's 100% room for improvement. So yes, (laughs) it is not woke. Um, So yeah, they all come, periodically people just come in, more people just come in constantly. So once people get eliminated, obviously you need to have more of the opposite gender so that people can get eliminated. So people just randomly come in. And so right. if you aren't in a couple and you haven't met someone yet but you're hoping that someone will come in who you do like and you want to stay on the show, um, people who aren't coupled up, if they're in the, the gender that chooses week, they um, give out friendship roses pretty much. And just what? like it's a mutual understanding that you're giving, just giving a friendship rose. <laughs> that seems just redundant and pointless. Yes. So what do you know about it so far? Like you haven't watched any of this, right? No, I don't really know anything about it. Um, The only one thing I have seen about it is one of the contestants. um, Obviously this was filmed in advance and now it's airing. One of the contestants, when an episode aired, they post this big Instagram story about how it was all fake and the producers edited like five different conversations they had into one sentence to like make it look like it was like some agenda. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was That's so... That's all I've really seen. It was so funny because actually you sent me that. Um, yeah. That article <laughs> and I was just laughing when I read it because I thought, 
This is the most ridiculous thing and it just proves that I was right in episode five, season one, when I spoke about the fact that people blame editing uh, on the fact that they were portrayed as a villain. Well, I disagree with you because I think like she is saying, yes, I said five separate things, but to put them all in one sentence does make it look like, yeah, that changes the meaning of it. And I do think it is weird. Challenge accepted, Grace. I'll prove to you by the end of this segment (laughs) why I'm right. Because, yes, that particular segment, I did a thorough investigation on this. And so... Anyway, I will get to her, um, okay. but I'm going to uh, explain some of uh, the best and worst characters from the season. And a few people, people just won't know if you haven't uh, seen the show previously. Um, there so, is one more thing I know that yes? I've just seen. The guy who has long blonde hair and lots Kieran. of tattoos. Yeah, and then he made his hair pink and also is sometimes a drag queen. He's amazing, yes. He's pretty amazing. Like, I've only just, I don't know, his Instagram must have been trending, but, like, it's pretty cool to be, like, you know, openly confident to have pink hair and be a drag queen and be on so, a mainstream show. So, okay, yeah, all right. that's Before the other thing Before we I launch, and I will go into Kieran first, um, okay. I can't even tell you how disappointed I am that Kieran's a dick. I'm so sad because he's a dick. yes, he is. Oh. He's a douche. He's toxic masculinity. He's he's a lot of things wrong with you know, um, toxic masculinity. And but he's in the Bachelorette. He was portrayed so well. He actually was really cool in the Bachelorette. Um, very confident. Who season he kinda, was he on? Sophie's, Angie's, the most recent one. Mm. The only reason he left is because his grandma died Um, and he left the show and it was actually pretty devastating because he was really bloody cool and and nobody expected him to be so awesome. Like he can't – he basically was the guy who looked like he had just jumped straight out of Geordie Shore and sounds exactly like that. So he's from Manchester and he's like – Yeah, he's English. Aren't they meant to be Australian? Well, he lives in Australia. He's an Australian. You know, we're a multicultural – that's true. Uh, country I've only Grace. seen photos of him on Instagram. I did not picture him with a British accent. He is full on like, yeah, when you hear him speak, um, he's he's British. And <laughs> look, he's really funny and really cool and like he pushes the boundaries and he's funny. He's entertaining. Like he's he had a TV career in the making. Mm. But as Rosie Waterland said, actually, he's overplayed his hand and – He's now gotten, you know, he's being portrayed as a villain, but he's doing some pretty shitty things. So, and he is admitting to doing those things. So it's not, you know, it it is unfortunate that, you know, this person who was created, who was actually really, really cool. And you thought this is quite cutting edge for Channel 10 to have a guy who took care of himself. He was really, um, he explained that he grew up really poor and lived in foster homes and all that sort of stuff. And that's why he's, um, you know, he was really interested in nail polish and makeup and tanning and like doing his hair. And he's very highly fashionable and he would wear to bat to the rose ceremonies. Like all the other, all the other guys would be in penguin suits and he was wearing like, you know, a pink, um, a pink shirt with like a floral um, 
white tuxedo and hilarious pants and stuff like just like but so dapper and he was so manly and so confident like there was no getting bullied for Kieran like he was just so amazingly confident and um so masculine in his femininity like it was just really really cutting edge and cool and um that's what I thought when I saw him on Instagram. I'm like, oh, he's... cool. He's got, like, <sighs> photos of himself dressed as a drag queen. That's cool. And, yes, that is still cool, but, yeah, unfortunately, he's also a dick. So we had a lot of uh, fandom for our Grey's Anatomy recaps <laughs> with our <laughs> deep dives. From yeah. unlikely people. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, some very unlikely people. <laughs> <laughs> who I thought would not enjoy that um, particular episode, but it did very well. So anyway, I, Bachelor in Paradise is so convoluted and so much happens that unless you watch it, you do not care about who these people are. So I just have decided to go through sort of main plot point by main plot point um, in at lightning speed so we can actually get through it. <laughs> Amazing. So... Kieran, start the clock. So, Kieran walks in naked because that's what he did during The Bachelorette and he's amazing. Kieran likes Abby. Kieran sleeps in Abby's bed, but maybe they didn't bang, but we're not sure. Kieran then goes for Jess, who is super into Kieran, and she's got tats just like Kieran. So, they're meant to be. Abby leaves. Um... Kieran's ex-girlfriend and ex-contestant Renee shows up to the island and Renee is hating life because he cheated on her and that's why they break up and it's later revealed that they might be able to patch things up at Paradise. Lies. Renee has to watch Kieran hook up with Jess who then (laughs) he dumps for Malibu Barbie called Kiki who looks exactly the same but blonde without tats. Renee then gets with a guy who Kieran declares his mate and toxic masculinity ensues and he's very angry that he didn't relinquish Renee. He said he says, I've only known you for like two months and it's paradise. And also, Kieran, you cheated and hooked up with Renee's mates in front of her. So hypocrisy is alive and well. Um, then there's this new thing that happens in this series of Paradise called the Buller Banquet. And so just every few days, if, you know, shit needs to get kicked off by, you know, having a big fight, um, Osher comes in and says, tonight is Buller Banquet night. And he gives them a topic such as, can you date your friend's exes? And then they all have to write questions, put it in a box and ask it at this dinner. (laughs) So they're not even trying to like hide the fact that they're creating drama at this point. And also because Maps has done so well, um, they're just trying to be married at first sight. So that's the main plot points of Kieran. Toxic masculinity, he's a dick. He kind of, you know, feels that he needs to, um, you know, say that Scott can date Renee. And it's just really sad because he was so cool on The Bachelorette and now he's an asshole. and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, damn. <sighs> so... That's Kieran. So the next person who I would like to speak about is Jamie. And you might know him from, I think it was Angie Kent's season of The Bachelorette. And he was known as like stage 75 clinger. Like he was very, very, very scary. He was known for his kind of like stares and being like, 
you know, like he just had this weird look about him. Um, he's and like an Edward Cullen or something. Very strange. And he's still strange in Paradise, but <laughs> he seems to think that he's got like a, a second wind. So, all right, let's start the clock. All right, Jamie, go. Okay, so Jamie walks in and he's there pretty early on because, you know, you need to give this guy as much time as possible (laughs) to try and find someone. He constantly is changing who he likes, constantly um, changing his mind, Um, and nobody's into Jamie but Jamie's into everyone. And um, he also has his best mate called Tim who was the runner-up for The Bachelorette who with the kind of long dreadlock hair. Anyway, right. he's absolutely in love with Tim. He loves Tim so much. He's like, he's like, Tim's my best mate. I just love Tim so much. He's just, you know, we hang out sometimes, you know, like me and Tim are like the best. And then, you know, cut to a talking head of Tim being like, oh man, Jamie, like got to say. Got to save that guy from himself sometimes, you know. Like he's just mm. like he is just oh poor Jamie. He just has no idea what's going on. And um, okay, so then there's two Britneys. There's a Britney who ends up uh, falling in um, in love with Tim, and then there's another Britney. So instead of calling herself Britney, she calls herself Litney because she's awesome. lit. <laughs> and you might remember she her. Hard. She pat us hard. She's loves the wine, like loves the bar being open and stuff. And um, she is known for her being on the Bachelor as one of the intruders. And she just constantly wanted to start a conga line. Like that's what she's known for. <laughs> so she is she gorgeous. She's so fun. She's so fun. Her. I actually love her. Anyway, she was the only person, the only person who showed interest in Jamie. Nobody else showed interest in Jamie. Nobody else did. And then he kind of kept fobbing her off and being confusing about whether they were friends or not friends. And um, he just wanted to get a rose and all these sorts of things. And pretty much then she was like, no, okay, well, he just wants to be friends. This is just humiliating now, so whatever. And then she Mm. um, likes this other guy called Jackson. And then he says to Jackson that, they're dating and it's like you're not dating you've literally fobbed her off and you don't want to date her she likes you but he just wanted to get a rose masculinity he doesn't want her but he still can't let anyone else have her stupid jamie and then there's this one hilarious moment um eventually jamie doesn't stay um of course he gets voted out at some point but um tim has a meltdown at some point and um, says to the group he's going to leave paradise but then goes into his like hotel room hut thing and um, thinks about it for a while but Jamie doesn't know that he's in his hut thinking about it for a while and says Tim's left Tim's left that means I'm leaving I'm leaving I'm not I'm not staying here without Tim you know I can't be here without Tim packs his suitcase and rolls out and the producers are like what Jamie 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 and he just doesn't listen he's like no I'm leaving I'm not staying here without Tim and they're like Jamie Jamie like the producer and you see a producer running after Jamie and being like Jamie he's not gone he said he was going but he's actually still in the heart right now talking to Brittany (laughs) (laughs) and then you just see jamie go oh Oh. (laughs) and then walk of shame roll his suitcase back to the hut and stay in paradise but clearly he's in love with tim 
Yeah, he's just in love with everybody except Britney, apparently. And poor f***ing Britney. Like, I just feel so bad for her constantly. She just really cops it this whole time. Oh, she's just – she's actually a really lovely re- lovely girl. And I think that she, um, she gets – depicted as being annoying because she's loud and because she's kind of like vivacious. But I think it's a little bit um, of self-consciousness as well, kind of like false confidence. Mm. You know, I don't think she has like extremely high self-esteem and she's quite – she kind of – yeah, she overacts and she overperforms sometimes to a group, but she's actually really lovely and she constantly gets shafted because she likes people and people don't like her back and stuff like that. So, yeah, she just really wanted to go on a date and she finally finds a guy who's interested in her and his name is Jackson. So there's this Jackson sort of intrigue, but Mm -hmm. this is where supervillain Cass comes in. Okay. Okay. So Jackson is into Brittany. Brittany is into Jackson. Cass decides she likes Jackson and she is in every way better and more deserving of winning Jackson than anyone else. Direct quote, and this is in a talking head, so it's not just audio. She says, mm. I think Jackson can do better than Brittany. And she has this like annoying way of saying Brittany. Um, is she British as well? She's not. She's just got a false British accent. Um, right. And it's quite annoying. And so Jackson goes on a date with Cass because Cass forced him to do so and feels like he just kind of wants – she just kind of wants a rose, which is 100% true. Prior to that, Cass told Brittany, and I quote, oh, yes, I can see that there's a romance blossoming there and I won't intervene. Then just on the night of the rose ceremony, changes her mind and goes for Jackson and pulls the rug out from under Brittany and um, she chooses Jackson because she went first at the rose ceremony and Brittany just had to choose some random who she wasn't into. And, yeah, it was super rude. And thank God Brittany eventually won the race, but, um, you know, because she's so genuine and so sweet. She also said... Um, so Cass said it in a talking head, I'm pretty laid back individual and like, I don't compete with girls. Um, like I don't have to. Then cut to her speaking to producers saying like, this is all in the one talking head uncut scene. And she's like, Mm. what? Do I sound like a princess? I don't have to. (laughs) The producers are literally so shocked by their subject. They can't help smiling behind the camera. Anyway, so Lydney wins the Battle of the Jackson and cut to Cass talking head at this point being like, at this point, I'm confused. Like, it's Brittany. It's Brittany, bitch. You know what I mean? Goes to a... Wow, reference to treasury. Goes to a whisper. You know what I mean? Producer says, I can't hear you. And she's like, you know what I mean? And then she goes, what the f***? No, seriously, what the fuck? Fuck me. Really? Like, really, though? Evil cackle. What am I supposed to think <laughs> right now? Gags. Gross. Is this a transcript, evil cackle, or this is your own transcript? It's a legitimate transcript that I did myself today. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, stop the clock because I've made a note. Um, Exhale and pause for feminist rant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So she's the one that you're trying to defend to me that actually she is evil. Yes. 
Okay. So where do I even start? This is not okay. Like you are not more important or more worthy. You are not more beautiful. In fact, after seeing this portrayal of Cass, I don't know how she's going to recover because honestly, she's the worst. Like to talk about Mm. other women like this in this derogatory way, it's so cruel and... Brittany is beautiful. She's actually really lovely. And Cass said to her while they were paddleboarding, I'm not going to go for Jackson because you guys are having a romance. Then she changed her mind. And yes, it's paradise and you can do whatever you want. But in Brittany's talking head, she was just like, you know, like, I get it. Like, if you want, if you like somebody who I like and you want to pursue it, then that's fine. But just be honest about it so that I can know mm-hmm. that we're all on the same page and so I don't feel blindsided, you know, um, you know, just so everyone's being honest. And, like, she's just so sweet. And she's come out after the show being like, geez, I knew she didn't like me because we both liked the same guy, but I had no idea how, like, little respect she had for me and my personality Mm. and me as a person. Like, she's so mean and and catty and bitchy. Mm. Oh, I also need to make a point that she was not – she doesn't drink at all. So she was not under the influence in this talking head. Um I mean, back to the original thing. I think, as you said at the start, like they shouldn't have edited her footage unfairly because then it makes it look like she's got something to use to justify, you know. Whereas if they just showed unedited what she said, she would dig her own grave. Well, that's true. But I think that people always use in these reality TV scenarios, they always kind of bring up, oh, you know, like I was portrayed badly because they used um, my... So this talking head that I'm referring to was used in multiple episodes. So, yes, I can see that this one Uh. interview was used in multiple episodes, but different quotes were taken and used in different episodes because they don't do a talking head. Yeah, to fit the narrative. And it is Like they said it at the time, which, yes, but um, like she's saying it in reference to the Jackson and Brittany... Um, issue but also like if you were a person if you were going through some like love triangle you'd be like oh my god I'm so emotional and you'd film an interview about it and then like a few days later you'd be like I'm over it like I'm talking about something else now but the fact they keep replaying the old interview pretending she's still frozen in that moment that's manipulative Mm, yeah like zero care factor from me (laughs) (laughs) I don't care I think the fact that um there's not there's obviously more than one talking head that they use but this particular one she's in a particularly nasty mind mind frame and she's being very very catty and rude but she's constantly rude she's rude in person Mm. she's rude on the beach she's rude in all of her talking heads but this is a particularly nasty one and um pees me off so much that they edited this one convers- this innocuous conversation that doesn't even matter in the in the in the context of her being awful you know like they didn't mm. need to do that and really it wasn't editing like word by word it was kind of like they spliced a couple of things together but it sort of just made it make sense she still said all these nasty things. It kind of just like they put these things together because, you know, they've got a show to run. They've got to edit the show. So sometimes they'll pop in something that's just like this makes it flow because this is a joining word. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Yeah, I do. They still have to edit it. I think we just need the reality show about the producers, like Unreal. Exactly. That's what I want. Same. <laughs> and people just being normal and doing normal things. 
is interesting. Like you don't need a buller banquet. You don't need like all of this stuff to just make it so extra. And so much was happening that eventually I was just rolling my eyes being like, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like the only person that I was living for and the only reason I finished watching this is because of Litney because <laughs> I just really yeah, wanted her to succeed. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's so beautiful. <laughs> and also you had a journalistic uh, imperative to watch it for the show. So you That's had right. to keep watching. That's right. But to our listeners who haven't watched it, are you going to recommend it? Uh, mm, I don't know. If you're really bored... Sure, it's something to watch. Mm. Um, otherwise, uh, just listen to our hilarious recap and recommend that to your friends. So, for our brand new segment this season. It is called Hill to Die On. (laughs) Now, this was sparked from uh, many conversations that you and I have had together, Grace, about um, various issues, topics, um, small irritations, petty things that we get irritated by, um, big or small. And we just thought it's kind of an excuse to have a rant. Um, (laughs) Yes. And we think listeners will relate to this one. And do you know where the phrase, the hill I'm willing to die from, comes from? I don't. So it's actually like a term from battles and war. And apparently it comes from like defending a bit of land and a hill and basically, yeah, being willing to die to defend something. So basically the idea of this segment is like a strong opinion we have that we're willing to keep defending, even if people don't agree with it, we strongly <laughs> yeah. believe these semi-reasonable, semi-controversial opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, what is your hill this week, Grace? Okay. The hill I'm willing to die on this week is that canned laughter is terrible and any TV show that uses canned laughter is a terrible show. <laughs> and I strongly, firmly believe this. <laughs> Look, I I see where you're coming from. It really is very irritating, I have to it's say. It's so irritating. And even if I was going to find something funny, I'm less likely to find it funny if I hear canned laughter like... Tr- do you watch the show that was like maybe five years ago or so, Two Broke Girls? Yes. It was like quite funny, but the fact it had canned laughter made it so irritating. Irritating, yes. Oh, Although some no. shows just like, I mean, I'm willing to put up with it for some shows that I absolutely adore, like Frasier, um, which has so much canned laughter, but it's also so funny. It's kind of, it's very of its time as well. Like I think canned laughter is very outdated now like it needs to just it stop is. but it is if, very outdated if you watch but nanny it, it's it's just not the same without the canned laughter but then again they did have a live studio audience a lot of the time yeah it laughing. can be different if it's live to versus if it's just like the same fake sound it's yeah. still terrible either way though and Fraser is dead to me and another controversial <laughs> extension of that is that I never really watched um, a very popular show 
But I was like, wanted to see what all the fuss is about and I like have nothing better to do than watch TV. So I tried to watch this very popular show, but it was the worst experience ever. And I'm talking about Friends. The canned <laughs> laughter is so bad. The show's bad. Any show with canned laughter is terrible and I'm willing to die on that hill. Fair enough, babe. Like... I hear you. At the same time, Frasier's brilliant and it's the one show and the nanny um, that I'm willing to put up with canned laughter for. But you're right. It needs to go. That's it. It's a no from us. It's a no from us. (laughs) What's your hill you're willing to die on? (laughs) The hill that I'm willing to die on this week is shit films. (laughs) Uh. How do they get made? How is it a thing? <laughs> and how did so many people say yes and sign these things oh, off? Like, like there are so many books I've read. There are so many stories I've heard about. I have friends who are writers. I've seen plays, all of which were better than these movies I'm about to list, Grace, because I <laughs> was watching, um, and it's a, it's a PSA for our listeners, like do not put yourself through these movies. I was looking for something good to watch. I was looking for a thriller. You know, I was looking for something uh, interesting to kind of, Mm. you know, just I wasn't in the mood for a a rom-com, you know, just wasn't in the mood. It's quarantine. You know, I'm feeling a bit pissed off. So (laughs) I watched Relic that's just come on Stan with Emily Mortimer. Archaeological thriller? What's it about? It's a thrill. It's a thriller horror. So basically, oh. she goes. Um, Emily Mortimer goes to her mum's house, and is haunted by a whole bunch of inane bullshit that's not important. And <laughs> it's so yeah. boring. And it kind of it's suspenseful from time to time. But then, oh my god, towards the end, it just it gets so far fetched and so gross. And then there's like this dumb ending that when I literally looked up the meaning behind the film to like find out all of these kinds of reasons why they made the film objectively still shit like you can't be one like you can't be both things like they were trying to make these kind of like points through this horror disgusting oh like it was just revolting to watch and it was just had the dumbest ending it's just so disappointing and it's very disappointing that it was also Australian. (laughs) Oh, no. Very, very Australian film industry. (sighs) Don't worry, Australia. Australian film industry, but not that film. (laughs) Don't worry, Australia. I'll save you later. Okay, next one. (laughs) (laughs) The Road, which this is controversial because I have heard that some people... Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? And it's a big book and... Uh, look, yeah. allegedly. Very popular. Um, allegedly. Alleged- but um, <laughs> it was the biggest waste of my time. Um, I've, like, was so depressed watching it. I was felt so depressed and disgusting uh, after watching it. Like, it Well, was- I think that's the whole point of it. It is the whole point, Grace, but there was also nothing that happened in the whole damn film. It was just about, you know, at what point they would kill themselves and at what time and when because the world was completely um, ended and they were so starving. Anyway. Yeah, I guess it's not the best film to watch right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you feel like a quarantine sort of, you know, end of the world type Mm. film, you know, just to kind of, you know, feed that uh, sort of food for thought. But it was like it was very uninteresting. To my, to me, in my opinion, this is the controversial one because I know people. Yeah, do this love one it. is controversial. We may get some listeners disagreeing with you. Oh, come at me! Come at me! Yeah, we welcome a healthy debate. Just because Miranda's willing to die on this hill, you don't have to. Too. I'm willing to die on this hill. Anyway, look, 
Viggo Mortensen, great actor, fantastically acted, but completely dumb film. I guess it just sounds really realistic and slow, which is the point. And like they say, the world doesn't end with a bang, but with a whimper. Like, not heaps of drama. (laughs) Uh, It's horrific. But, you know, maybe art, maybe art. Um, So then the next one that I thought was going to be amazing, okay, The Assistant, and it's sort of a Harvey Weinstein-esque story where she's the assistant um, who's asked to do lots of things to sort of be Mm. complicit. It's very quiet film, very arty. And I was sort of like it was the trailer was depicted as a thriller. I'm just after a thriller. You know, I just want to watch a thriller and I have horrific horror um, depressing the road and then this really quiet film that I think is a thriller to then literally just nothing happens. Nothing happens in the film. Damn. It is so slow. And I w- it was building to this thing that never happened. And it, it was a real, it, it was just, uh, what the hell was the point in making that film? Like I, I, I can sort of see where they were going, but there was no like actual thrill. It was just a quiet, fairly depressing tale. And it wasn't what I signed up for. There was one point where I was watching it with my Auntie Sandy and um, she (laughs) constantly bumps the computer and whatever and she's, you know, always doing stuff like that. And at one point I was like, you put the movie on pause. And she's like, oh, what did I do this time? And I was like, look, I don't know. And we had this whole conversation. And then then, because it was just a picture of a building. And then the screen starts moving again and we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> we had a whole conversation, but actually it wasn't on pause. It's just it was just so slow and boring slow and boring the film was like oh, that there is are so many funny. beautiful ideas in the world. There are so many amazing cool film ideas. How these got signed off on, I will never know, but that is the hill I'm willing to die on. God damn it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So that's our new segment. Every week we'll be bringing you new issues. We're willing to defend to the core. But look, I feel really bad that you've disparaged the Australian film industry. So I want to lead us into our recommendations and I really hope that you're going to redeem us. Let's Let's, have our recommendations. Let's turn this ship around. All right, so now that I've eviscerated the Australian film industry, I'm going to redeem myself and I'm going to recommend one of the best films I've seen in a long time after my horrific, um, you know, (laughs) streak of terrible films. I finally came across a good one. Um, And it's called The Little Death. Um, which is, <laughs> if people don't know, because I certainly didn't, but it's a euphemism for orgasms. And yeah. it used to be an expression that they used for, um, like, if you have an orgasm, a little piece of you dies or something like that. So that's what they call it. It's what it's called. It, it basically focuses on different couples um, in sort of, they're all sort of interconnected in some way, sort of, but loosely, kind of like a love actually scenario all different kinds of couples and all different kinds of fetishes um or things that turn people on or fantasies and when this was recommended to me I didn't want to watch it like I was not in the mood I was like Mm. and it it is a comedy 
it is a comedy, predominantly comedy. It's directed and uh, produced, and he acts in it as well by Josh Lawson. Um, along, oh yeah, yeah, along with a stellar Australian cast. Like, there's just so many good actors in there. It's really, really good. Um, mm. Basically, it's so nuanced and so interesting, but they also push the envelope a lot like it's kind of a black comedy um as well and I have to say the things that they choose to talk about it's not cliche um there's also lots of different scenarios involving um like a deaf person using Auslan and a telephone sex worker interpreter and it is so funny um and beautiful as well and then there's um lots of different ones but I just I I honestly it was me not knowing enough about the film and being reluctant to watch it and then watching it. I, I don't want to give anything away. So I don't even know okay. if I can say much more about it. But Intriguing. There's this, there's this one um, predominant storyline, which Josh Lawson is a part of, uh, where his partner wants to uh, has a certain fantasy, fantasy that she wants to fulfil and he's uh, trying to fulfil that for her throughout the whole film. And there are twists and turns. There are storylines that obviously some end really lovely and some end really devastatingly. Um, It has so much heart. It is so interesting. It pushes boundaries. It's well acted. It is laugh out. Like I was crying with laughter how funny this film is and it's so cute. It's a, a standout example of a great Australian film that nobody has ever told me about until now. And it was made in 2014. Like this should have won awards. It should have won awards. Like it is so brilliant and it needs to be celebrated. So spread the word, watch this film and show your friends a great example of an Australian film. Wow. No, I've never heard of that. It sounds good. It's so good. Okay, great record. I also have an Australian one. Um, it's TV, though. So do you watch the show Arn's Brush with Fame? Oh, no, but I know what you're going to say because I heard someone else recommend this. Apparently it's Yeah. Amazing. So basically the concept of the show, for those who don't watch it, it's been around for years, and it's Arn Doe, who's a famous Australian uh, former refugee, and he does these amazing oil paintings. And in Arn's Brush with Fame, he interviews like an Australian celebrity or well-known person and they sort of like, he interviews them, they tell, you know, their life story or whatever. And then he does a portrait of them. And at the end, like the portrait captures whatever qualities they're talking about in um, the interview. So specifically what I'm going to recommend is episode two of the new season where he interviews Dr. Richard Harris. And that is a South Australian anaesthetist who was one of the people behind the Thai cave rescue in 2018. Yes. And like obviously we all, the whole world was completely transfixed on that story when it was happening and it was such an amazing outcome against the odds. But Actually, hearing um, from this man, and he was named one of the Australians of the year, so he is quite prominent, but I'd never really seen an interview with him or anything, and this episode was just the best half hour of TV I've seen in a very long time. It was 
so I've heard that that story is amazing and he's amazing, um, just how he tells it and what actually happened. Like, it sounds really incredible. So I can't wait to watch that. Great, Reco. All right. Well, my next one is very, very quick, but it is so relevant and a lot of people Great. are going to know what I'm talking about. It's Cardi B's new song. Oh, WAP. WAP. Have you heard it, Grace? Uh, I've seen snippets of it. I couldn't make it the whole way through, but I need to know what the fuss was about. I've seen some key moments and key lyrics. Bring me a bucket and mop. Yes. um, (laughs) For those uninitiated, WAP stands for wet-ass pussy. And, uh, yes, it is as vulgar as it sounds, but it is kind of amazing (laughs) and the song's one super catchy it's super like female positive triumphant kind of it's as a lot of people have said you know there's been so many examples of like men's sexuality in songs for so long and kind of what that looks like and (laughs) they sing about it a lot whereas there's not quite the same example in reverse for women and a mm. lot of a lot of people are still not going to like it because it is extraordinarily vulgar. <laughs> so it's just, it's amazing. Cardi B is a legend. Um, I absolutely love this song and I've listened to it in yeah. the car multiple times and every time I listen to it I get, you know, because they sing quite quickly and then you get a glimpse of a new lyric or you hear it clearly and it is, it is so funny. Like, yeah, love it. I completely agree with you about the fact that like men sung men have sung sexually explicit songs for ages and like just because this totally. song is like actually promoting female pleasure and putting that at the center everyone is horrified and that speaks to society I think in a broader way and like get on board with WAP people <laughs> get on board <laughs> All right what's your last reco Well, mine's also music related and regular listeners of the podcast, I think will be shocked that I've honestly made it this far into the episode without (laughs) mentioning the fact that while we were on break, something historic, unprecedented and life-changing happened, (laughs) which was that Taylor Swift dropped a surprise album with only 16 hours notice and (laughs) saved 2020. (laughs) And Folklore, her new album is fantastic, amazing, like so, so good. I don't even have enough adjectives to describe how much I love it. And because of that, we've decided that we're actually going to dedicate a whole segment next week to talking about all things Taylor Swift. So we'll go into it more next week. But if you haven't listened to Folklore yet, give it a spin before next week so that you know what we're talking about. It's beautiful. Have you heard it? Do you love it? I haven't just yet, Grace, but I know that that's um, – I was embarrassed to let you know that. But I, <laughs> okay. I, I love Taylor enough for both of us. It's okay. That's it. You, you've got, you've got – um, you're holding up the Taylor side of this podcast um, yeah. all on your own there. But uh, I do love her and um, I can't wait to hear her new songs and I've got to do my pod research for next week. So I will be up to date by then. Great. And that's also a little PSA for our listeners. The album only goes for about an hour, so give it a listen over the week so you know what we're talking about when we cover that in all detail next week. Absolutely. And in addition to Taylor, we will be diving into the Stan series Love Life that both Grace and I have independently recommended on season one. As we've said, generation-defining amazing show. So if you haven't watched Love Life and you're looking for something great to watch, um, dive in watch all of the episodes and then we're we're going to discuss everything love life next week 
Can't wait. We'll see you then. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We've done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.